Well, I thought it would be really worthwhile this afternoon just firstly having a look at what baptism is all about because I know for many of us here this afternoon this might be a first experience, the first time we've seen it. We might, seem, we might think it's a little bit uh, unusual perhaps. And so it seemed appropriate that the way to do that is to connect us, if you like, all the way back in history 2,000 years ago to where this started and uh, it's good for us to remind ourselves of that in an age which is, we live in an age, don't we, let's be honest, where the things that we are interested in pretty much are the things of today. They're the things that grab us, and every now and then we need to re- be reminded of, our se- of ourselves that if we need to cast a line backwards into history and remind ourselves that we are connected in all sorts of ways to all sorts of things. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we believe that we are connected historically to Jesus 2,000 years ago and to what he called us uh, to do. So this little account of one of the first baptisms is a baptism of a man who was uh, from Ethiopia, and he was a eunuch. A eunuch is somebody who had made a decision uh, not to have children, uh, physically made the decision not to have children, uh, because he, was de- he had decided that he would advance his political career. And uh, he was a, a very high-ranking uh, official in the um, government of the Queen of the Ethiopians. So that's a bit of a background. Here's a man who is not taken in by things. He's a man who was switched on. He's a man who is up there in terms of his career. He is a well-established, capable guy. Uh, And so we find ourselves introduced to this man actually, as we say here, out on a desert road. The account goes like this, that Philip, who was one of the uh, teachers who was appointed just after Jesus, um, Jesus had returned to heaven, Philip was uh, teaching in a town called Samaria. Then all of a sudden, he was moved from Samaria, where everything was going well, out to a desert road where it seemed as though there was next to nobody around. It seemed a really strange thing to do. And yet at the same time, the Bible tells us that it was the Spirit of God that told him to do that. It moved him from where things appeared to be going well to a place which seemed totally strange and totally bizarre. But the reason he was there was to meet a man who the first thing we see was a man who was excluded. We see a man, an Ethiopian eunuch, and it says here that he had gone down to Jerusalem to worship. That's a really interesting thing. It's a really fascinating thing to see a man from Ethiopia who's gone to Jerusalem to worship the God of the Jews. The interesting thing is because when he got to Jerusalem, he would find that he would not be able to worship the God of the Bible in the way that everybody else who was in Jerusalem, who was a Jew at that time, would have been able to. He would have been barred from a certain part of the temple for two reasons. Firstly, because he was a eunuch, and secondly, because he was a foreigner. He was excluded. So he was interested, but excluded. He was outside of it. And really, that's where our story starts for this Ethiopian. He was interested, but outside. And you know, the interesting thing I find is that that's where it starts for everybody who comes to faith in Jesus. We all start at some point interested but outside. We're all excluded to start with. 
We all find ourselves, there is something that is going on that is take, making, uh, causing our mind to ask some questions. There is that nagging question that is going on. We start to look, we start to search, we start to find points of interest. But we are outside, just like this man. The interesting thing is we find that one of the reasons that he is outside is precisely because of the life decisions that he's made. I will not have children because I want to pursue my career. bit of background history in the ancient world, the, the high rulers, the high officials would, uh, would put people in charge, men particularly in charge of their court, who were eunuchs, who would, who would make a physical decision not to have children because then they were safe. They were not going to do anything in the court with any of the court women or their daughters or whatever it might be. They were safe. He'd made a decision to go there in terms of the pursuit of his career uh, and, and as a result, he would not have children. One of the things that we see in the Old Testament is one of the blessings that God gives is... An inheritance. And that inheritance comes for God's people by way of land and by way of children. And here's this Ethiopian eunuch who has realized I've made a decision where I don't get an inheritance. You know, all of us, every single one of us, in some way or another, in our searching, as this man is searching, we're all looking for some kind of an inheritance. We might not want an inheritance in terms of securing a great house and a family and all of that kind of thing. Many of us want an inheritance in other ways. Uh, the songwriter Jay-Z talked about the kind of inheritance he wants. He wants an inheritance where people are singing his lyrics in years and years to come. That's one of the things that he declares in a song. He says, I want my songs to last into the future. That's a kind of an inheritance, isn't it? It's something that says, I've lived on this earth. I've lived, I've died, but there's something of me that has carried on. That's an inheritance. And this Ethiopian eunuch is looking and saying, where's my inheritance? I, 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 now let's move this. Okay, we've got our line cast back to the first century. Let's have a look at where we are in the 21st century. I think all of us, in some way, are looking for some kind of an inheritance. Something that says that my life wasn't just an empty blip in history. Something that says that my life had worth or significance or meaning. Whether it's successful song lyrics that continue to be sung. Or even as that songwriter and performer... Frank Sinatra said in I Did It My Way, he says this, I think I did it all. One of the ways that we can declare our inheritance or fight for our inheritance is by saying I lived a life which was so full that people can look back and say, wow, didn't he live it or didn't she live it? You know, when we're gone, they can say it was worthwhile. That's a kind of an inheritance. And I think all of us at some point in life say, what is my inheritance going to be? Who's going to remember me? Who's going to think of me? What kind of mark have I made in this world? 
I reckon that this Ethiopian, at this point in time, was asking those kind of questions because he is sat in his chariot and he's reading the Old Testament and um, maybe pondering on the fact that he's been to Jerusalem and the worship was something, but maybe not everything. He's sat there, he's reading, and um, it would appear as though, as the custom of the day was, he was probably reading out loud. And he was reading these words, it's from the uh, prophet Isaiah. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Done it again. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? Who can speak of his descendants? There's the inheritance bit. For his life was taken from the earth. Here's this uh, man who's reading out loud. And at that very moment, alongside his chariot, is Philip. I know that there are a lot of people in here who've been able to say, I I can't quite understand how it worked out the way it did, but it was remarkable. Because something was going on, and then all of a sudden, there was somebody there, or there was some event... Or there was something of significance that, having been interested, it pushed me further down the line. It moved me from interest to an absolute compulsion (laughs) to hear more. And that's where this man moved to. From interest to compulsion. Because the next thing that he did was remarkable. (laughs) He invites a peasant man who was walking alongside the road, who asks him the question as he hears the words being read, do you understand what's going on there? Do you understand what you're reading? (laughs) And then, this high-powered official, who was surrounded by an entourage, no doubt of bodyguards as well, invites a peasant, dusty peasant, walking along a desert road up into his chariot. That is bizarre. That is bizarre. Think of an official visiting our country, and we can't quite do this because we can't generally walk alongside uh, the limousine that's flying down the main road at at a pace, but imagine if we could walk alongside, or even, yeah, ride your bike alongside, and you hear this high-powered official from another country Reading and then suddenly invites you into the limousine. It was that bizarre. But I would say it was even more bizarre. Because he was surrounded by an entourage who were looking on at him doing this. You know, the Christian faith at some point calls us, challenges us to look at things which the rest of the society around us do not consider a priority. Do not consider important. It calls us to do that. Some of you will have seen your friends or your family members uh, who are being baptized this afternoon, and you will say, you know what? There's something different. The reason there's something different, at least part of it, is because there is a reshaping, a rethinking of how we view the world. We all view the world in one way or another. We all view the world in one way or another. We all have judgments and views and perspectives shaped by a whole load of history. 
And this Ethiopian eunuch is suddenly being shaped by a different history. A history which Philip now introduces him to. Because the, the man asks, really, for his, in his life, the most critical question. He says, who does this apply to? Is it the prophet or is it someone else? I think it's an incredibly powerful question because I think the, the Ethiopian eunuch is sat there relating to the writing. He's saying, this is a bit like me. He's saying, as I read it, I read these words that say, who can speak of his descendants? <laughs> That's me. I've got no descendants. I won't have any descendants. So here's the critical question for the Ethiopian eunuch at this point. Is this somebody from history, namely Isaiah, who the Ethiopian eunuch might just be able to have some sort of resonance with, or is it something more important? The answer is, according to Philip, it is way more important. Because he goes on, Philip says this, or rather the Bible says this, Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. I don't know whether you've ever thought of the Bible like that, but the Bible is just that. It is a springboard. Every little part of the Bible is designed as a springboard. Do you remember those horrific days in gym class at school? Well, you suppose, I don't know whether they still have wooden springboards or whether it's gone high-tech now. We used to run up and bounce on that board and supposed to kind of springboard over this vault, this box, and normally I ended up crashing into it and all the rest of it. It's a springboard. Something that leaps you to a new place. That's what the Bible is. It's always leaping us to Jesus. And Philip takes him from that bit, led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And he says all of that that was written 750 years ago is talking about Jesus who just a few years, a few months ago, was killed in Jerusalem. He was the lamb. That's the picture that Philip says. That's the, the picture that he draws from Isaiah. And he says, you, you know you've been to Jerusalem. You know what it's like. There's the sacrifice system. All of that is going on. Do you know what? Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice. He was the sheep that went to the slaughter. He was the lamb that went dumbly before his shearer. He was the one. And here's the thing for the Ethiopian eunuch. Here's this big connection. Here's the one who had no inheritance. Here's the one who had no descendants. Jesus was single. As a rabbi teacher, that was unusual for the day. He was a single man. He had no children. He had no inheritance. And he died with no inheritance. But Philip brought the Ethiopian eunuch good news. And it works like this. Jesus comes into this world... And he dies without any inheritance. And then he lives, according to the Gospels. That's the message of the Gospel. We can talk about that at Christianity Explored, if that's surprising to you. 
But the message of the gospel is that Jesus died and then lived again. Why? Because it shows that somebody who died without any inheritance gets an inheritance of life. He gets the life. And then the invitation is simply this. For those who believe in him, even though we might die with no inheritance, we get inheritance with him. That's the good news. That's the great news. But it's even better news. Because what the Ethiopian eunuch discovered when he went to Jerusalem was that he was barred. He was separated. He wasn't allowed in. In a way, that's a picture for all of us, actually. None of us are allowed into the presence of God. None of us can get close to the God who made us. Because all of us are considered separate. And yet Jesus is barred from the presence of his Father so that those who trust in him can be close to God. That is the great news. That is called forgiveness. Forgiveness of sin which bars us from the presence of God. And that's the great message of the Bible. That those who are separated can become close. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch discovered. And then for him, I I guess, in those few minutes, because it can't have been long, it can't have been long, that conversation. During that conversation, I reckon for the Ethiopian eunuch, all of the pieces dropped into place. All of this stuff in the Old Testament that he's been reading and hearing about, suddenly he realized it all points to Jesus. Suddenly he realized that Jesus is the one who is significant enough to be a sacrifice so that I can live, so that even me, who has no chance of any inheritance, can gain life. So that my life can have purpose and identity and significance and meaning. Not in me, in him. And we, we know that he got to the point of understanding that it was in him because of the next bit. Because the next bit is, he's, they're going along the, the, the roadway, and then suddenly it seems the Ethiopian eunuch turns to Philip and he says, listen, what is stopping me from getting baptized? What is that all about? Baptism is a picture. It's a picture that says... I believe that I am, if you like, immersed in that. I am immersed in what? In the life, in the death, and in the resurrection of Jesus. I am associating myself. I am committing myself to be in that. I am saying I believe all of that. I believe that he is who he claimed to be. I believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. I actually believe that when he died, he really did die. I believe that when he lived, he really did live. I believe that when he returned to heaven, he really did return to heaven. I also believe that one day he's going to return again. I believe that I am a person who by very definition is designed to live forever because God has made me with a spirit that will live forever. And I believe that in his return, by faith in him, I will gain life for eternity. And I want to associate myself with all of that belief. And so, second remarkably socially uncomfortable 
activity of the afternoon. First socially uncomfortable activity was when he invited this peasant preacher into his carriage. Second socially uncomfortable activity was when he said, stop the carriage, because this peasant and I are now going to go down into that water, and I am going to be immersed in that water and lifted up in that water. Just for a minute, just for a minute, put yourself in the place of the court that's traveling along the road with your boss, your super high-powered boss. Just for a minute, imagine what that would be like. You know, the reality is, it was culturally as uncomfortable then as it is now. (laughs) It really was. It was as strange then as it is now. It's probably less strange for us today because we've had 2,000 years of the picture. But now we see it happening. And what that Ethiopian eunuch was doing was exactly what any of, every one of our, uh, our friends who were being baptised this afternoon was doing. He was saying this, I believe that. And I commit myself to that. And I declare to everybody who's in this in this entourage of my royal court, I declare to this entourage that this is who I am. In the same way as I declare this afternoon to my friends who are here, this is who I am. It's a remarkable step that this man took. It's what connects us to 2,000 years ago. It's what makes this relevant for today. It's also an opportunity this afternoon for our friends to say to you and me, this is who I am. And I am sure that you want to share in their joy for that. And can I encourage you to firstly uh, encourage them in their commitment? You know, they, they, they are not little children. They're thinking adults who've made a decision in life. And then um, Maybe as you see time go on, maybe you'll start to wonder, perhaps like this Ethiopian unit, the nagging questions become something more serious. Perhaps that's how it will be.